the Lord's army. You remember that little song? I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir, that's it. Yes. You want to do us a couple of lines of that? We are in his army. And, friend, when you sign on with Jesus, it's almost like the draft. you got no choice. You can't go to Canada to get out of it. You can't go to South America to get out of it. You are in the army. When we said, Jesus, come into my heart, Jesus said, almost like on that day, raise your right hand, put your hand on the Bible, and you swear your oath of, of service. I did that, ooh, been a long time ago when I first put a badge on to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America and of the state of Virginia against all enemies, foreign and domestic. It means the guys from outside our walls and from the guys inside of our walls. It tells us there are enemies everywhere. But I joined a force. And this is a mission that we have. So tonight we're in part 24, I think it is. I, ain't, I really ain't been keeping up with the numbers too good, but I believe it is. Of our overcomers, we're talking about the mission to arise and go. To arise and go. Jesus, everybody thinks about warm, cuddly, little baby, fat Jesus. Little fat baby Jesus. You know, all babies are little fat, most of them. And he's warm and he's cuddly, and yes, that is him. But there is another side to him. And the other side to him is, make no mistake about it, he is the commander of this army, and he is prepared to do battle. And make no mistake about it, he is going to win the battle. If you choose to walk with Jesus, you're on the winning team. You won't lose. He is going to win the battle. In Exodus 15 and 3, I want you to listen to this. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. That's all in caps. That's talking about Jehovah. He is a man of war. Make no mistake about it, he is going to fight. When he came and went to Calvary, it was about battle. Yes, he did ask the Father, if there is some other way for this thing to happen, to be done, let this cup pass for me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He was a man of war. He was a man about the mission. And brothers and sisters, that's who we are. We are to be about the mission. And the mission is going to be war. In a few minutes, we're going to pray. And I want you to understand, when we pray, we're actually going into war. Because there's a devil out there. All these people that put these things in, these requests that they have, things they may be struggling with, I hope we got a lot of those. That was the invitation this morning. Is so that we can go into battle with our brothers and sisters, with our friends, and they can now be walking free. That is the purpose of tonight's mission is to, that, that they can be set free. Joshua saw him in Joshua 5 and 14, so he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Brothers and sisters, that is our job. That's our place. That is our words if we're going to be in this and say, You know, uh, you always hear the, 
the, the military guys say, if I say jump, you're going to say how high. You're not going to say I can't. You're not going to say I won't. You're going to say how high. How high do you want me to jump? And that is exactly what he's saying here. What is it that you are saying to me, your servant? Let's not forget who's playing what part. He is the commander, and we are the little guys. We're the little Indians. He's the chief. And so that's what Joshua showing. He says, Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now we come into church sometimes, and I'm not going to be the church police. I was taught respect. Respect for the Lord's house, I picked up because I was 33 years old when I got saved. But I was taught respect. And where God is is holy ground. This building is just a building. And I want you to hang with me. Don't fall off of the boat yet, okay? If you do, you're going to drown because water's deep and it's rough and the wind's blowing. Help me, Jesus. What did I say here? We respect one another. We respect this building. This building belongs to God. He's the one that furnished the money for it. It came out of your pocket and my pocket. And it's not mine and it's not yours. Okay? It is his. And it belongs only to him. But there are certain things that I want to do whenever I'm with you, my brethren. Not respect so much for the building, but respect for you. You for me. Vice versa. Whenever he gave him the command to take off his, his sandals because he was on holy ground, Look at what he did. He did it. If we come along in our correction process, which is a part of ministry, it ain't the fun part. It's much funner when you preach a message and everybody's hooping and hollering and shouting. and you know. But it ain't so much fun whenever it comes to the time of correction, particularly from a younger guy to older people. Right? Didn't Jesus run into that whenever he walked the earth those old guys had been around forever and they knew the word and he said unless you surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees you will not see the kingdom of heaven now he had authority and so we have to have this respect for each other when we come into this place we have to have that respect for each other whenever we come around one another to join in the word when we go places together and by the way, we even have to have that respect whenever we ain't seeing one another. You understand? We have to have respect for one another because he is everywhere. And that when we're dealing with brothers and sisters in Christ, and Jesus is in the middle of it, right? Didn't he say, where two or three are gathered together, there I will be. Doesn't matter if we're inside this building, out there in the parking lot, we could be down yonder sitting on a tree stand, a buddy tree stand, getting ready to kill us a big old deer, and we're talking about him, and we got him with us. By the way, friends, that is a place that is holy ground. Wherever he is, and he's everywhere. 
So we've got to get to the place that we listen to his commands. You may say, well, I ain't taking my shoes off. I don't like people seeing my feet. You know, we're going to soon be doing some feet washing here. And sadly, there's going to be all kinds of excuses for not coming to church that day. And I am about this close to not telling anybody what's going to happen. And I'm really about this close of it happening on a Sunday morning, not a Sunday night. And it's not to be mean. But it is about following the commands that God gives us. The washing of feet is something that is good. It's something Jesus showed us to do and he said you ought to be doing it to one another. I take that as a command. No different than taking your shoes off. No different than taking your hat off when you come in a building. Now, I was in here working yesterday. I didn't take my hat off but a time or two because it got hot. It wasn't disrespect for God. Do you understand what I'm talking about, brothers and sisters? No? Yeah. I'm working at my house. I take my hat off when I sit down to eat most of the time. If I'm working in the house, going in and I got my hat, because I like wearing a hat. You see this? If I don't, it gets sore. I got to keep it covered. And so we're talking about Joshua saw Jesus, the commander of the Lord's army. And make no mistake, he is a commander. He is a warrior. John saw him in the book of Revelation. Let's go to 19 and 12 of Revelation. His eyes were like flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Wow. Let's pause right there just for a second. You want to get to know the commander-in-chief, you got to get in the Word. The more that word comes in us, the more we see it, the more we're fasting and praying about something we might not understand, the more we put the word in us, the more we get to know about him, the more saturated we become with his word, with his commands, with what he has given us to do or not to do. The more we put it into us, the more we will become like him. The closer we'll be with him, the better we will know him. You see, that's his name. It's called the Word. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. Whoa. And with that, he should strike the nations. That's not a little fat, cuddly baby Jesus. That is a warrior. With his tongue... He should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He's going to be a hard guy. You think that whenever a preacher gets up in the pulpit and starts telling you that it's not right to be talking about people, it's not right to be shooting stuff in your veins, looking at stuff on the Internet, well, he just don't love us. What is Jesus going to do? He will not say, oh, well, maybe they'll get it later. He's not going to say, well, I really want them. I don't want to offend them just yet. No, he is going to come, and he will rule with a rod of iron. He's not going to change. Just because society has changes that, of things that used to be done and not as done, that is contrary to the word of God, just because society changes doesn't mean we do. 
And society don't like to hear that. Sadly, many brothers and sisters that have been among us do not like to hear that. They want to go hear something else. But folks, the time is coming and it is soon when Jesus is coming back. I believe it with all my heart. The time is coming. A lot of these walls are going to be coming down. A lot of these things that ain't right are going to be coming down because he's coming back for a bride who has made herself ready. And he will be ruling upon this earth at some point. He will be ruling with a rod of iron. And yet he loves us. And yet he has compassion on us. And yet he'll help us through everything. But make no mistake, he will not change his commands. He will not change who his character is. He will not change what the word says. He won't do it. Now we can go get our ears tickled all we want, but you know what? That, that's no good. That's, that's, like taking, that's like taking a Tylenol when they're getting ready to put you to sleep for a big surgery. It's not going to do a whole lot of good. It's the wrong medication. It's the wrong thing to take. We have to take what he gives to us. And he himself treads the winepress of, of fierceness with and wrath of Almighty God. There is going to be wrath from God. It's going to happen. You see, Jesus is a warrior. And a warrior isn't a mild-mannered and subdued little fella. Not like Gomer Powell. Randy always goes to Gomer Powell. And, and uh, Gomer Powell, you know, just, he's a warrior. And in the midst of a battle, a warrior is focused He's determined, and he is fierce. He's got a mission. He's got a mission. You and I, brothers, are like him. I wanted to tell you this, of who he is. Not that we're mean, not that we carry a, a bad spirit about us, because you can have the word and be bad, have a bad spirit and, and be legalistic as you can be. Got to prop your hair up on top of your head, three feet, can't hang down, dresses got to be down to your ankles, not dragging the floor, no sandals. All these things have become legalism. We come back to the respect part. Madam, I do not want to see what God has endowed you with. Please cover it up when you come to church. You may be helping somebody to trip. Did I say that clear enough without being going over the line? That's respect. That's respect for that man's wife. That's respect for that man, and that's respect for all of our brothers and sisters because those kinds of things can come in and create havoc in the house of God. I particularly don't care if you wear jeans. doesn't matter to me. got no problem with that. And there's nothing in the Bible that says you've got to dress up. If that's the case, I don't reckon Jesus ever went to synagogue. But he was only disrobed once in his life that I know of other than when mama was taking care of him and that's when he was hanging on the cross. And he got down pretty much with nothing on whenever he washed his disciples' feet because he had an intimate relationship with those men but he didn't do it with the women. The Bible doesn't say they were in there. You understand? So it's a respect thing. It's a respect thing. And to all the seven churches, he says to 
Everyone who overcomes. Does he not use that word? I showed you the other week in every one of those seven churches in the book of Revelation. To everyone who overcome, overcomes. You see, there are some today who say our identity in Christ makes us overcomers. That's true regarding our position in him. Remember I showed you this morning? You ask Jesus into your heart, and he t- he's got the key. He's got the key. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was forging the keys for everything that we face. Every adversity that we face, every sin that is getting a hold of our flesh and weakening us, he was hanging on the cross, overcoming it, showing us to be overcomers and forging the keys that's going to set us free. But it doesn't end there. For so many people, it ends there. And so I ask that question again. Why is he telling people to overcome if there's nothing to overcome? I'm trying to go against the doctrine that is keeping people bound. They don't have to face the reality. They don't have to face the reality of what may be. Why is it so hard to not want to have that? Why is it so hard not to want to get this inside of our spirits? Why is it so hard that we don't want to let go of some things and yet we're okay with Jesus? Why is that so hard? It's because the flesh is strong. The devil, he disguises stuff. You see, he was defeated at Calvary. You realize if you're a believer today, you are standing and fighting from a place of victory. And the devil has already been beaten. 2,000 years ago, he was already beaten. And the only power that he has is when we like to argue and fuss over what the Bible says, just so we can fulfill our fleshly desires. Do you understand what I'm talking about tonight? All because that's what we want to do. And he changes not. And see, the devil, he... he <laughs> him and his cohorts, they're not stupid. They know how to take things and disguise it. They disguise it so that we don't see it. It's where the traps lie. And the Lord Jesus came and gave us the word of God and said, you know what, I'm going to show you where the traps are. I'm going to show you how to get around them. I was watching MASH there a few weeks ago, and radar runs out into a field. Anybody ever see that? Anybody watch MASH besides me? <clears throat> now, I turn it off when Hot Lips and Frank get in their tent and do their stuff, but no, I don't. I don't. I know what it's all. It's a show. <laughs> but Radar runs out into a field to save this little girl who'd walked out. Her family sent her out so she could find the mines and they could go ahead and, 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 and farm it. If there are no mines, she didn't blow up. Okay, good to go. We don't want to send the ox because if we don't have the ox, we can't do the work. We can make more girls. I guess that's how they looked at it. But they're wondering, is there a map somewhere? Is there some way to know where these mines are? The Bible is our, our map. It's our map of telling us where every single landmine lies. And he says, here's how you get around it. Here's how you get around it. Because if you don't, you're going to get hurt. And so we're talking about war. We're talking about the mission. And the devil, you know, he's got a goal. And he, his, his goal is to stop us, number one. Go on to church, dress nice, but don't do anything for the kingdom. That's his first goal. That's what he wants us to do. And he wants to capture us in his little traps. Remember how Charlie hooked to the chair this morning? Where'd the chair go? Charlie, did you take a chair home? 
Those are the traps that bind us, and it, it hinders our movement. It hinders the work that we're trying to do. And then he gets to the place that he controls us, controls our thinking. You ever had a thought come up that you just know somebody is doing something, said something, you know, they, they over talk about me. Uh-huh. Does anybody know, can you identify with what I'm talking about? They over talk. I've been down that road. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been down that road. They must be over there talking about me because when I walked up, they shut up and started talking about something else. Mm-hmm. And then you spend days sitting there stewing on it. That's the devil. Jesus don't do that stuff. He's not the author of confusion. He ain't going to play those kinds of games. You see those games being played? They got a stamp on them with a big OS, Satan. That's what he did. That's what he does. That's what he sets out to do. But Jesus took care of him at Calvary. All of his authority was stripped away, folks. You see, I told you the other week, we've got to live for the eternal. If we look at this life based on eternity, where we're going to spend eternity, I don't just want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven with like one of these great big huge crowns that like break, almost breaks your neck. It's got like all kinds of like probably billions of dollars worth of stones on them just so I can go to my Lord. Because there wouldn't be nothing there if it wasn't for him. It's not about me what I can do, can't do. And I want to lay it at his feet. My commander-in-chief. I want to lay it at his feet. That's the kind of crown I want to have. Not so people can say, oh, look what Ken did. I could care less what you think about what Ken did, but I do care less about what my Lord does. He's the one that sets us free. We're going to be praying. We're going into war tonight. And I know, I know for a fact I got some prayer requests I didn't looked at. There's some people want some serious stuff done. And I believe and know that God can do it. I believe and know that he can set us free. Not only set us free, but then we can be made free and we can walk without being bound up by the junk that the devil wants to put on us. Because we become imperfect and we become warriors who can't get the job done. Charlie couldn't move around this morning carrying that chair too good, could he? When he put the chair down, he could walk with me. He could stay in step with me. And that's how we do with Jesus. You see, the early church possessed an authority and a power and a boldness that nobody else has ever seen in this world. And I pray that we get to the place that we have that authority and that power and that boldness in Mark 1 and 22. And they were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In verse 23, now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The people in the room didn't realize it, but the devil said, guess what? This is the Messiah. He has the power. He can take care of this. And did did you come to destroy us? They knew what he was about. They knew what he could do. And Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet. I don't see him using little old bitty. Now hush up. 
I see Jesus whenever this demon started uh, showing who he was and the things that he could do and showing all that he knew. Well, I know who he is. Jesus said, be quiet and come out of him. That's what I felt because it was authority. You know, I worked with some guys in the sheriff's office, and you know what? Every time the man gave us an order and an order that needed to be carried out and an order that we probably didn't want to carry out, he came into the room with some kind of authority in his voice, more or less saying, this is not for discussion. I didn't invite you into the, into the room when we were figuring it out. I need you to go and do. When the man walked in like that, there were no questions. It was like, you know, I want you to jump. Well, just how high do you want me to jump? And that's what I'm going to do. He walked in with authority. And that's what Jesus did. He came in and he had this authority. Now look at this. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Wow. They obey him. We're going to be praying tonight. There's some unclean spirits bothering some people. Do you believe that? Or did this stuff stop back there in the Bible in the book of Acts? Yeah, ain't nothing changed. We just don't like talking about it. I don't know why. It's the stuff that bottles people up. Well, that makes them uncomfortable. Well, whoop de do. If you're uncomfortable when he's sitting there working on you, let's talk about them. There are some unclean spirits that are bothering some people. And there's an authority called Jesus. And he can tell them to come out. In verse 37 of that same chapter, of Mark chapter 1, and when they found them, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. You see, we got some prayer requests tonight, and I am praying. I am praying that there's about 150, 275, something like that of people in this community that comes and starts looking for Jesus. I don't They come in the room. I don't know. I, I don't believe in that doctrine of <laughs> you got to go out and get them or they can't come in. It's both. It's both. Some of them will come in the doors and some of them we got to go. But most of them were already with them. We're at work with them. We see them at the store. We see them up at the gas station. We see them wherever we go. We knock on the doors. You, know, you can make friends with people. And you can take that authority to them. But whenever they find out there's something going on different, they want to go looking for Jesus. You ever notice that? Somebody gets a problem in their house, they start looking for Jesus. Somebody says, oh, you're getting laid off next month. We're about to lose everything. What do they do? They come to church. They come looking for Jesus. Jesus helps them and gets them through it. And sometimes it might take five or six years. They're walking good with Jesus. And the next thing you know, they're going to fall off the wagon. Jesus don't mean as much as he used to. Man, life is just too busy. Hey, what? go back in your mind. Don't you remember when you was, you was calling on Jesus because you was wondering when your next loaf of bread was coming from? They start looking for Jesus. And friends, let me tell you, if it worked for him the first time, do you really want to go through something again? To go looking for Jesus again. Let's get it right the first time. Let's remember it the first time and let's not walk away from him. You see, he's the, he's the commander in chief. He sends us where he wants us. He sends us where, you know, I worked a lot of posts that I didn't want to work. But you know when the man came around, how's things going? It's going great. 
you don't mind working here, do you? No, sir, I don't. I got to work somewhere. Well, man did to me one night. He said, would you rather be doing something different? Of course I would, but I don't mind. This is the job you gave me to do. This is the post you gave me to stand, and I'm going to stand it. I'm going to give you 12 good hours. And you don't want to know something. The people that whined and complained about it, they always had to work in posts they didn't want to work. I only had to get them a few times in my whole 22 years because I didn't mind. I'm here to do a job. I'm here to provide for my wife and my children, pay my bills, pay my tithes at my church. That's what I'm here to do so that the work of God can go on. And if it means I've got to stand a post that I don't want to stand, so be it. I'm going to do it. You know what? I slept good at night. I never sat in roll call worried about where they're going to stick me. Never did that. Didn't matter. I had my druthers. Now, I like cornbread without sugar in it. Some of you make it with sugar in it. I'll eat both of them. If you ask me my druthers, then I'm going to take one egg and some cornmeal and some buttermilk, and I'm making my cornbread. That's how I like it, prefer it. But I won't turn it down. You can tell that. I like it better the other way. And I know it probably seems like I'm rambling, but we're talking about the mission. At the end of Jesus' life, here on this earth, in John 20 and 21, he said to them again, Peace to you. And as the Father has sent me, I also send you. I also send you. That's you, Danny. That's you, Bob. Francis, that's you. Charlie, that's you. He's sending you. In John 14 and 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Is that even possible for us to do greater works? According to the Word of God, the answer is yes. It is very possible. It is very possible. And the early church, they experienced this. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When it came to Jesus, people were either stunned by what they witnessed whenever he was around, or they were either angered by Jesus. Anybody know anybody like that? They don't like to hear anything about Jesus. Ooh. And the other one is they were drawn into him. Those are the things that happens when Jesus is around. In Acts 4 and 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, remember they healed a fella. Well, the dudes in the temple didn't like that. It made Jesus look good. They didn't care much for that because this fella gets healed and they've been bringing him all these years in his life and laid him at the gate and they finally come and said, Silver gold have we none, but such as I have unto thee, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I know I just butchered that, but I got all the words in, just not in the right order. But that's what he said, right? That's what he said. And the main thing is, is the man got up and was running through the temple and people couldn't believe it. They were amazed. And the, and the leader said, oh, go get these fellas. Got to have a chat with them. And when they went into the council, they had a chat with them. And said, now when they saw the boldness in Acts 4 and 13, and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They couldn't believe that somebody stupid could go and do the work of God. That's what that says in today's terms. They couldn't believe it. What? What does this mean? They couldn't believe it. And it says, and they realized they had been with Jesus. 
You want to get with Jesus? We're going to pray with him tonight. We're going to the throne room and we're going to be bowed down, praying over these requests. We're going to be beside Jesus talking to God. Can you believe that? We're going to be with him talking on behalf and praying and interceding for our brothers and sisters, those that are lost, those that are hurting. All these things that we have requests for, we're going to be with Jesus. And whenever we ain't praying, we got a Bible. And when we get into that Bible and we start reading and we start feeding on it, we are with Jesus because his name is the Word of God. We're going to be with him. Amen. <laughs> See, the boldness caught the attention of the council. They couldn't believe these fellas. Man, we just killed him a few weeks ago. What in the world are y'all doing? Don't y'all realize we kill people like you? They didn't care. They've been with Jesus. They had a mission. And the mission was more important than anything else, more important than their lives. See, it would have been easy for Peter and John to pull some kind of political maneuver, right? Just keep the peace. You ever heard that? Let's just keep the peace. Man, if there's some truth that's going to set somebody free, who cares about the peace? Come on. Do I get a witness in the house? You dealing with some kind of junk? Are you worried about somebody keeping the peace? No, we need to be set free. We're going into battle. And the devil says, no, just keep the peace. Don't say nothing. Let it go. Oh, don't say, no, I can't talk about that. And all the while, the Holy Ghost is going to come on, guys. Let's get this thing going. Let's set them free and let's keep the peace. Because when you get set free, there's going to be some peace, right? When Jesus is in your heart, we got peace, right? Right, Ben? We got peace. But they could have pulled that political maneuver, but no. They didn't restrain or didn't confrain themselves from, from going into the confrontation. No, they went into the confrontation. They stayed true in the face of danger. Where did their boldness come from? They'd been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. You see, Samaria, Joppa, Lida, Sharon, Antioch, all these people experienced the power of God. And I'm about done. I want you to see this picture. We've been talking about the good stuff that's been happening. Now we're going to go back to where we started this entire series at, the church at Corinth. Just for briefly, just briefly. You see, the church in Corinth, they didn't impact their city. It ain't on the map nowhere. It's not still standing somewhere. They didn't listen to Paul. Put it in other terms. Are we going to listen to the Lord? Are we going to listen to the pastor? Because I don't want nothing bad for us. I want the best. I want Jesus to be magnified. But if we don't listen, is this going to be a car showroom something someday? See, we got to listen to him because the church at Corinth by the way, did you know they were actually operating in the gifts of the Spirit? He had to go and talk to them and set them straight on that. They were speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. They were prophesying. It was all about their show for them and not about the power of God. Now, we Pentecostals, we don't like them chapters in, in the Bible, do we? We don't like them too much. Because Paul said, you know what? I'd rather come and speak 10,000 words you can understand. You get saved and grow 
than to look good to you and you think I'm super spiritual because I'm speaking in tongues. I'm not taking away from it. Please understand what I'm saying. Please understand what I'm saying. This church was operating in the gifts of the Spirit, and he had to come and talk to them. And they did not listen. And they ain't no more. They ain't no more. So we have these guys over here doing these miraculous things, and we have this church over here he's talking to. They're doing the Lord's Supper. They're messing that up. It's all about the food and the social gathering. It wasn't about honoring the life of Christ. It wasn't about honoring what he did at Calvary. It was about them. The biggest idol you'll ever face is you. So what do we want to see happen in our community and in the people that we're around? Do we want them to be affected? Let me ask it this way. Do we even believe that this world can change? We do? Do we still believe in the power of the word of God to change a life? Do we still believe that we can lay hands on someone and if it's God's will, they will be healed? Do we still believe that we can come up here in a few minutes and pray for somebody to be delivered from something they've been struggling with for years and years and years and been too afraid to talk to their brothers and sisters in the church about it? Shame on us. Shame on us. Do we still believe that they can be set free tonight? Amen. We need to be excited about that because that's about what's going to get ready to happen. We're going to be praying for these needs. You see, with God, all things are possible. Matthew 19 and 26. Never underestimate the power of God. I don't care how bad this world gets, people can still be saved. I don't care how bad they, what kind of road they walk on, they can still be delivered. And we got to walk and act like we believe that because our commander-in-chief does. And that's where he's walking to. He's walking to the homosexual. He's walking to the drug addict. He's walking to the person that's stabbing people in the back, not with a knife but with their tongue. He's walking to them saying, come on, you're sitting down here and I need to pick you up here and walk with me. Come on, grab my hand. Grab my hand. Grab my hand. Come on, grab my hand. Who's going to tell them if we don't because they can't hear from him? They can't hear from him. They don't hear him talking to them. But we do. And we've been given something to do. We've been given a mission to go on. We've been given a mission to go pick them up, help them up. Come on, help them up. They're down in the ditch. They're down here. They're struggling. They can't face things. We're not supposed to kick their hands down when they're reaching up. No, we're supposed to grab them and say, get up here. Get up here. I got some truth for you. I got some truth that's in the Bible. I know what Jesus says, and he can set you free. You don't have to walk there no more. You don't have to live there no more. He can set you free. Grab my hand. That's the Holy Spirit talking. Grab my hand. And he's talking through us. Get them up. Get them up. Help them pick them up. Because he didn't make hell for them. It was made for the devil's devil and his demons. And we're to pick them up. That's the mission. We are on a mission. Now arise and go. Arise and go. He's going to give us some music to pray by tonight. We're going to spend a few minutes or ever what the Lord leads us to in praying. Right? I got requests here. I got some over there. I got one in my pocket. We got some things to pray about. 
If you got something you want specifically prayed about tonight, when we get done with this session of praying, come up because we're going to anoint you with oil. We don't have to put your business out on Front Street because I'm going to tell you right now, there's some people sitting in here tonight that can't handle that. They'll lay awake at night about it. They'll take it to other people, and it won't be for a good purpose. Oh, did I step on a toe? I'm sorry. But we will be praying for you. And I can promise you this as your pastor. You come to me with something, and me, you, and Jesus is getting involved. Sweetie, don't even get involved unless you say it's okay. And that's the same thing with her. You can talk to Sweetie about anything because she's as much a part of this ministry as anybody. And you talk to her and you say, don't tell Ken, then she don't tell me. Because that's, it's important. It's important that we give it to the Lord. But I want to tell you this, the day that you get set free, the day that you're walking, the day that you're not bound up anymore, Danny, the day that you ain't got stuff, Randy, that's holding you back, the day that you are set free, it ain't your story no more, it belongs to Jesus. And at some point, you need to give that testimony. I read you a man's testimony this morning. Now, who in their right mind will write something like that in a book and try to sell it? Somebody who knows Jesus. They've been with the king. So let's go be with the king right now and pray.